All right, welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today we have the pleasure of speaking with Randy Langendurfer. Uh, Randy is president of Invest Arc Properties, focusing on creating investor value and passive income for the busy professional. He's been in multifamily uh, in real estate since 2014 as both a general partner and a key principal in about 1,100 doors and in limited partnership position or roles in over 4,000 doors. So, Randy, welcome to the show. Eric, thanks so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here and hopefully yeah. uh, build into your audience. Yeah, excellent. So I think, that, you know, I mean, what you're trying to do and who you're trying to help is really is really my audience, is the busy professional who are trying to get out of the rat race or plan for retirement. Eventually, we're all going to need the, some passive income and legacy for their children. So this is just um, this is just perfect. So tell us more about uh, your journey. Uh, when did you get started in multifamily and why? Well, thanks. I got started in, uh, in I'll say real estate in the 10, 11 time period doing single family hard money flips in uh, South Florida. At the time I was living in Cleveland, Ohio market. And I got a brother-in-law who got me involved as a hard money lender. And, and we had success and I relocated to Houston. I'm currently residing in Houston, Texas. Because uh, I was working for, uh, I'd achieved, you know, in the corporate world and risen to a level and realized that I was working for a private equity company and and those jobs just don't last. Mm -hmm. uh, they're only good for five, maybe seven years. And uh, so I relocated to Houston for a job and got real excited about continuing on the single family hard money, but uh, got really busy with the move and family and attended a seminar about uh, an early, late 2013 mm -hmm. about multifamily. Yeah. And uh, I had just never turned back. It, it just really resonated with me because one, the concept of economies of scale mm -hmm. that, you know, if I have one single family unit and it's empty, I got a hundred percent vacancy. But if I got a large hundred unit multifamily complex and there's one vacancy, I got 1% vacancy. Mm -hmm. And that and the fact that, that I learned, you know, I can buy a, a multi-million dollar apartment building easier than I can probably buy a, a half million dollar private home mm -hmm. because they're secured by the asset themselves and the revenue. Uh, yes, you have to have liquidity and you have to show it to the bank, et cetera. But the point of it is, is you don't have to go through the W-2 testing and all that. So. Uh, and they're, and they're non-recourse loans for the most part. Uh, and that, that was another very intriguing part of me because I had reached the age of life where I, I did not want to sign personally on something where they could come after my other assets. Yeah. And so uh, non-recourse leverage, uh, economies of scale, and then finally syndication. When I learned about syndication and that is other people's money primarily. And it's just a it's just a very nice asset class, and I hadn't haven't found anything since then that I like as much that has mm -hmm. tax advantages, positive cash flow, and appreciation. So yeah, short uh, answer. Yeah, so that's that's good. So you went you went to that webinar, and then uh, so what was your first deal? What did your first deal look like? And uh, did you jump right in there? And uh, how you know? So I remember going to one of these large. Um, educational groups in uh, Dallas and uh, you know it's 
400 or 500 of your nearest and dearest friends. And I was talking to people and say, how, how, how do I find these deals? I mean, how do, how do I get in one of these things? And you just you will know, hang around and talk to people. And I did. And so the short answer is I got in my first deal in the spring of 2014 mm-hmm. uh, with a, a guy who I had met. At, it took uh, a while then because you did the webinar, the, the, not the webinar, the conference. Yeah, the, I, I did the class in late 13 sometimes. Yeah, so it okay, took me okay. five to six months after that okay. before I actually, you know, your hand's shaking as you write that first check uh, for 50000 <laughs> Is this a Ponzi scheme or is this uh, anyhow? Yeah. But I, I invested with a, a guy that I had met and uh, basically, as we'd said, I know, liked and trusted. And we bought an asset in Port Arthur, Texas. And wow. for your listening audience, that's about 150 miles due east of Houston uh, between us and Lake Charles in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very blue collar town, a very, I would advise you not to buy in Port Arthur, Texas today, if I were advising you. Oh, really? Um, wow. Yeah, it's just it's just a tough neighborhood and a whole lot of lessons learned, a whole lot of lessons learned on that one. But so uh, six, nine, six, eight months after the first introduction is when I wrote the first check for my first limited partner. Okay. Limited partner investment. So yeah. and being I'm a finance uh, accounting professional at heart. And so I'm fairly risk adverse. Mm hmm. And I didn't even want to write a check for $50,000. So I, I found somebody to partner with and we split the $50,000. Okay. Wow. Wow. uh, Just, uh, just, uh, I was calling that leveraging or lowering my risk to, uh, de-risk the, the, because there's there's nothing wrong with that. I think, you know, to both get involved and have spread the risk, you both learn about kind of like the experience and all of that. And then, so you can do it again and learn on the second one also, (laughs) instead of learning, try to learn all at once. And losing everything. Exactly. Exactly. And and, and that one, you, you hit it on the head. Uh, that was the whole point. I had another friend that was wanting to get in and, and learn. And so uh, we did it together. And, you know, I leveraged that that sponsor or that general partner and asked a lot of questions and offered to do work for free, like, you know, due yeah, diligence yeah. and other things just to learn the business. Yeah, that was my other question, too, because some people obviously... You know, we're talking to busy professionals, so they don't have time to be involved in in the deal itself. And then they invest they invest in these uh, as limited partners in syndications. But then, you know, in the hope that oh yeah, I'm going to learn how they do their uh, the business, how they they structure the deal, how they do that. No, you're going to get like a report, like some balance sheet and income statement every quarter. And then they're going to tell you how the project is going. You're going to have some pictures and then you're not going to learn how they've done it. You're going to learn by doing right. So, and it just depends on what your, what your objective is. I I knew all along that I wanted to do more and move into this full time uh, gradually. And so, but there is, like you said, there's a ton of people that are just truly limited and don't want to do anything other than get a healthy return. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah. Yeah, or they do, but yeah, or but they don't realize the amount of time that's needed or whatever the commitment. So, uh, so you got involved then in that deal, and then you uh, obviously it was in Texas, it was close by, and you said, okay, well, I'm gonna, I want to learn, I want to ask you lots of questions. If there's anything I can do to help, how many other limited partners were there on that deal? Uh, I believe that first one, and don't quote me exactly, I can say about 25, 28 different limited partners. Yeah. Uh, at the time, it was a fairly uh, good deal. And um, so there was it was a fairly good size syndication. Yeah. But I would guess that most of them didn't want to be involved. I think you were part. Oh, of- absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Of those 
27 or 28, I'm the only one that I knew of that took the yeah. approach I did. So how did that work for you? Did, did the GP actually said, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to help you. You know, you can help me with yeah. this. I can show you this. He did. But it, it worked. And then, and then kind of the, the luster wore off for me and, and I was trying to find the next deal and he was on to his next deal as well. But I mean, it worked. I, I, I gained information yeah, uh, a lot about the due diligence process, a lot about uh, property management. I was real interested in property management. Mm-hmm. I mean, for your your listening audience, that's one of the questions you should have on your passive checklist. If you don't, is kind of like the relationship with the property manager and what's their experience in that sub market and what's their experience in that yeah, asset exactly. class. Yeah, um, more so than you know, we're hiring X Y Z property management company. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we uh, in in the, my book and stuff like that, and uh, we talk. I talk about about that, about kind of like how to select the right property manager. I mean, because they have like their big property management company, big, you know, big firm and stuff like that doesn't mean this is the one you should go after. You have to have some kind of alignment of interest. And I think alignment of size, they have to do the same kind of asset class that you're doing uh, because this is a big company. They have lots of employees. Doesn't mean they're going to, they're going to, it's going to be a good relationship and a successful relationship. And most likely, if it's the big company and you're a first timer, uh, you're going to probably be taken advantage of, uh, not intentionally, but you're not you're not going to get the attention. You're not going to get the value out yeah. of it. Yeah, because uh, you're going to be a small player and then they're going to say, well, you know. Unless you start buying more and adding to yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, is the only way you're going to get some really some some uh, leverage with them. Mm-hmm. So. so what was at that time, were you like working full time and you had already oh. exited your, your job? No, so yes, I was still working full time. So I'm I'm currently still working full time and doing okay. this full time. Uh, I do have a a fairly narrow uh, exit plan in the next five six months to to walk away from the corporate world and, and do this full time. But yeah, I was working full time and have for the last nine years doing this okay. and building my portfolio and working and uh, all those things. Uh, okay, when you I, say working full time, you mean you're right now you're working full time on your portfolio. Right now, I'm working full time for. A large academic medical center oh, in Baylor, oh, okay, in, okay, in, okay. in Houston, Texas. Oh, okay. And I also work uh, three quarters uh, on real estate. Okay. And, okay, okay. Uh, I'm I'm ready to uh, I'm I'm going to start I'm going to shed my corporate job. Okay. Uh, so you have a job I job. Have, <laughs> I have a a W two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A W two. Okay. So, so so that's a good point. So let's let's talk about that because at what point do you decide that hey, this is uh, how am I? How am I to say that, okay, I'm ready now to, to retire, or maybe I like my job and then I want to continue working and maybe that that's your situation. And then, but how do you plan for the exit? How do you make sure that your exit is prepared correctly? At what point, like what, what are the metrics that are going to say, okay, I'm ready? You know, that's uh, that's a great question. And I think it's really a, a personal or an individualized response for every every one of your listeners. I can really just tell you about my journey, which when I came to Houston, I had a, I had a 10 year plan and that's now coming to a near end, but I realized that I needed to have a passive income stream. I really needed to have something else. My wife was was a stay at home mother and still is. And so I was the primary breadwinner. And so I really needed to have um, a second income, Mm -hmm. something that was going to leverage off with. And I, I really wasn't, interested i hear a lot of people talking about you know you should quit your w-2 job you know and i i really didn't want to no disrespect go down to a fifty thousand dollar a year job uh mm-hmm. or something like that because um uh, 
yeah. my standard of living is just higher than that, I'll say. So so I, I kind of set up this long-term plan of investing passively, mm-hmm. learning the business, uh, understanding the uh, team dynamics and all the resources that were needed and moved into general partnerships. And now I'm growing those general partnerships and those those are really becoming to fruition where they're providing an income stream for me uh, that is that is uh, sustainable. Yeah. And uh, some people do that, you know, just quit and their spouse is working and maintaining benefits and got an income and they go at it all, all in for really fast, really quick. Uh, mine has always been more of a go slow, go steady approach mm-hmm. and make continuous progress. And right. uh, so that's kind of my journey, but it's up to everybody. You know, I go to know people who have got literally millions of dollars invested as passive income people, and that's fine. Yeah. And I know others that have really focused on growing the syndication business and growing the general partnerships, and mm-hmm. they've got hundreds and thousands of doors as well. And and so your listening audience has to kind of decide what they want that to look like for them. Yeah, yeah. And how much, you know, what's the number, right? We always talk about what's the number to retire or what's the number to quit your W-2 job? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, for me, like I talked to, uh, I talked to my, my audience and my the people that I mentor and coach uh, about their passive income target. What is their monthly passive income target that they need to reach, and then start building your passive income portfolio. Uh, you know, until you're kind of like you get close to that. You get to eighty percent, ninety percent of that. Then you have a, a choice to make. You can either jump in. And then uh, as long as it makes sense that you can really accelerate your portfolio if you quit your job. Uh, so there are situations like that where, well, if I quit my job, I could easily, you know, increase that portfolio, you know, 50% and I would be, I would be done. Uh, and then you have other situation where, no, I want to continue. I enjoy my job and I want to continue to, to grow my portfolio slowly. And, you know, I have lots of time and all that kind of stuff. So it's really, um, it's really not a right or wrong answer. No, that's uh, right. I mean, it really depends. And some people, they, yeah, I mean, they, they're not, they just want a passive income. It covers kind of the ups and down. And then eventually uh, some people are really risk averse. As you know, yep. you, you used to be a CPA. And I think that's probably one of the most risk averse. Questions. <laughs> I would agree. That I am one and I would agree with you. <laughs> Why is that? You know the numbers. You should we, we know the numbers, but uh, you know a good finance guy says no four out of five times. As uh, what I always said, <laughs> I was always taught. A good finance guy says no four out of five times. A good marketing guy says yes four out of five times. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, you need you need them both. You yeah. Them both. Well, I used to be an actuary, and then I was just like you know we we I spent a lot of time with accountants and stuff like that, and. But yeah, I was more like, I was not risk averse. I was always kind of, I've always felt like I'm calculating the risk. And I was just like, you know, this makes sense. Like I know the numbers and I didn't never understood why uh, some other people that had the same numbers were like still very risk averse. If you really believe the numbers, go for it. Well, and, and there's the key. So I, I, I talked about my first investment of my hand shaking when I was writing the check, you know, and I invested with this guy in long stories, you know. Yeah. And now if that guy sends me a deal today, uh, nine years later, I, I, and, I, and if I've got free cash, I'm just going to invest. I won't even look at the asset because yeah, yeah, I know yeah. like and trust guy. He's done a great job, et cetera, et cetera. First couple of times, though, you know, I, I flew or I drove to the asset. I looked at it. I drove the comps. I mm-hmm. uh, asked, the, you know, cold uh, 
cold called some of the comps in the neighborhood and stuff of, of the asset we were looking at. So, yeah. And, and so I've, but to your point, to my well, thinking, what you said is, is you have de-risked the investment by your education mm -hmm. of yeah. the numbers yeah. and, and every passive investor, when they start out, I mean, I call it, you know, it's either educating yourself and uh, de-risking it or otherwise you're just throwing money at something yeah. and speculate. Yeah, and, exactly. And, you know, I, I speculate in the mutual fund market all the time, every month with my 401k, right? I just, mm -hmm. it, money just goes in there because I pick a, a bond or a, a blue yeah. chip or whatever. But, you know, the, to me, I, I now study and now I know multifamily very well. Mm -hmm. And so I can quickly analyze a deal and say if I like it or I don't like it, why yeah. not? Why? And move on. Yeah. And uh, that's all part of your edge. I mean, Buffett says all the time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he, this is paraphrased, but he said, you know, diversification is for, for losers. That, that's yeah. not exactly what he says, but yeah. you know, he goes all in when he understands something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He always invests in things that the, that's the first thing he does. Is he invests only in things that he understand. Um, so if he doesn't understand a business, doesn't get involved. There's no, you know. Right. For the longest time, he never got any tech stocks because, you know, until he spent 15 years with Bill Gates and playing uh, chess and backgammon. Yeah. Anyhow, I don't know. But, yeah. you know, to your point, he that's how you de-risk part of your investment. Nothing's a sure thing. Yeah. And that's the great thing about real estate is that, you know, it's it's pretty simple to understand. I mean, you have a building and you rent space to people that have good job. They pay rent, you pay everything else, and then you have some money left over. It's as simple as that. There's no, you know, so that's why it's great. And it's, and it's forced appreciation, right? If um, yeah. I, I can get my head around that, that's uh, right. if I can raise that NOI, it doesn't matter what the guy next door is doing. Yeah. Uh, as long as I can raise my net operating income, the yeah. value of that property increases. Yeah, and, exactly. So I think it makes, makes a lot of sense, I think. And that's why, you know, I, this is one of the reasons, even if you, it was more complicated, but this is one of the reasons it's a simple uh, investment to understand. And, um, you know, and then you can, you know, you have the appreciation, you have some tax advantages. You can compl complicate the heck out of it if you want, but at the, at the foundation is very, very simple. And so it's just finding uh, a neighborhood you like, a property you like, and a, and a sponsor you like, if you're a, if you're a passive investor, yeah. you know, who, who, who do you, who do you trust? That they're not that they're going to go out to the property and look at it and touch it and feel it and meet with the property management company and uh, that they've done their due diligence. I don't I don't need to do it all as a passive investor, but I'm I want to challenge them to convince me that they've done it. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and it's uh, yeah exactly. And, some and uh, someone that has a track record also, and you know they've done it before. So yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with a first timer, but the higher risk. Back to that. The other thing for me too that I found that was interesting is that, and that's why the single family rental, I think it's, it's a pretty good space. You don't have to stay there for very long if you don't want to, but getting your feet, it helps you get your feet wet, you know, uh, as opposed, because then you, you're really doing the investment yourself. You're doing the, you're buying the house, you're, you're going through the process and you buy one, two, three, you can build a small portfolio and then kind of roll up. But the first one you write the check, even when I wrote my first check for that single family rental in Memphis, I mean, just like I was hoping, so, oh, I hope I don't lose that uh, that EMD. And it was like 500 bucks EMD. But I was still like, oh, well, I, 
when I wrote that check, five hundred dollar yeah. check, I was like, well, I hope I make sure that it has there's enough uh, contingency in there so I can get my EMD back. And it was, and I was, That's you funny. know, it was nothing. Like it was, it was, but I was still nervous about that. And I think it's part of it is this uh, emotional response that you know you don't want to. Whenever you're sending money away, you don't want it to go go out there and just die and uh, and disappear. You want to and die. now and now you're writing EMD checks with a few more zeros behind them. Yeah, so. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so now it's a, you know then we bought some apartment buildings also and all of that and yeah we wrote some much bigger checks than that and uh, yeah and and we got our money back. Even like I had a, a multi-use uh, project in uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, yeah, there was some big checks that were written there just for the EMD piece of it. And, um, and then we had to back out at one point and I got, got my EMD back, but you know. That's a positive story. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the thing. I mean, you have to make sure that you have, you, you have the right contingency in place that you are able to, that you follow what you said in the contract by the dates you said you would get things done. And, um, and before know. you ever got to that point, I, I'm, I don't know the deal, but I'm assuming you had a team, you mm -hmm. had pro partners or professionals, yes. uh, legal counsel, Archit uh, architect, legal Arch counsel. I also had someone that was, that had a track record of, uh, you know, pulling these kinds of deals together, I partnered, okay. partnered with him and, uh, yeah. And the architect also to help with the zoning and really understand the whole thing and then finance, a finance guy. And this is the reason why it, fell fell through is that the the financing uh, wanted to wait until we were uh, we had a ready to issue permit before funding but that cost oh, wow. like, that would have cost me like two million dollars to get there <laughs> so, <laughs> i didn't have two million dollars at the time so i said okay pass <laughs> come so, again later yeah exactly find so, another, find, move on find another deal yeah, yeah, it was kind of dragging, dragging us along and saying, okay, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And then it was okay. And then it, later on, it, he kept pushing the date at which he would fund. Eventually, he said, oh, yeah, I'll be able to give you the full funding once you have a ready to issue permit. But it's like, it's a lot of. It's a ways away. Yeah, it weighs away. But in San, it was in San Francisco. So it was like, we were thinking at least two years away to get a ready to issue permit. And then, oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. there's all, all kinds of things that have to happen. Yeah, yeah. Nothing is easy in San Francisco. No, nothing's easy. And there are learning lessons like that everywhere yeah. along the journey, right? Yeah. I mean, not everybody had, hits home runs every investment, and but you're just trying to make sure you fall forward, as I say, and make sure you're doing the right things and surrounding yourself with good people and finding more new good people along the way for everybody. Because, I mean, we're both, I'm still learning. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. still learning a lot every day about different intricacies of the business. And that's why I've really... Yeah. Settle in on partners and joint venturing with people and stuff that. Uh, so, uh, so Randy, if someone wants to do the the same kind of thing that they're doing, like they're, they're looking at you, they're looking, they're seeing you as an inspiration, really, to um, to get started, to be a, a GP, to do multifamily or some form of real estate rental kind of passive income portfolio. How do you? How should they get started? What's the first thing they should look at uh, before they kind of like the, the, toes the big the big thing for me would be to uh, education. So, and I think the 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 way to at least for me to fast track your growth is to join one of the the big national groups. They're going to educate you fast, whether it's Jake and Gino or 
some rock in Dallas or Lifestyles or um, Mark Kenny, uh, Michael Blanc. I mean, there's there's a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what part of the region of the country you're in, because they're gonna they're gonna they focus most of all those focus on um, multifamily. Except I know Lifestyles also does single family. Yeah. I would say so. You also got to decide kind of what asset class you want to be in the single family or multifamily. Yeah. I'm going to encourage you. Everybody wants to start out and do a, you know one or two triplex or a threeplex. There's as much work in a 20 unit building as there is a 200 building unit building. So partner with somebody and maybe I've just gained the comfort, but but do go bigger faster just because there's economies of scale and you're going to leverage up quicker. So I would say join one of those multi, one of those national multifamily educational groups would be the first thing Mm -hmm. and continue to educate yourself and then find somebody that you, that you like, that you, you know, go to one of their conferences. I was working full-time. I'd go to a couple of weekend conferences a year and find a deal and, you know, you know, pull the trigger Mm -hmm. and, and invest passively with somebody. And if that's what you want to do, then, just go for the return. Or if you want to take an approach like I did and want to learn something more, mm-hmm. ask. Yeah. And you'll find most people will allow you to, as long as you're not a pest every week or every hour. But um, yeah, so, and you just got to decide how much you want. Like, again, I had a kind of a 10 year plan. Uh, maybe you have a 18 month plan, or maybe you got just got laid off from your day job and you want to go at this full time and cut the cord altogether. Then, yeah, well, I think that's what's going to happen with this recession uh, once we head into it and then we, people are going to start losing their jobs. They're going to start looking for for what's the next thing here. And, uh, I and think that's the wrong time to jump in because yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say jump in now because yes. uh, and, and start doing it now. And back to my illustration of private equity, I knew I wasn't going to have a job. Yeah, uh, It's just a matter of whether it was year four or year five. And so I tried to strategically plan for that and started educating myself so that's right i mean the writing is on the wall right now so um you know even if you have a solid job right now you should really think about okay what's what's the plan here what how do if i lose my job what what am i going to do invest in education so that i can do real estate investing should i invest in you know uh, and so to all my finance friends out there that, that are like me that have a hard time ponying up uh, money for those educational groups. I say, you know, I, I'm, I'm a coach today in Rod Khalif's organization and and um, <clears throat> talk to people all the time that, you know, kind of push back in the money. I, I say, how many tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars have we invested in our undergraduate, our graduate or our vocational degrees? And we didn't think anything of it to find a job. So invest a couple hundred bucks, go to a seminar, or maybe even a couple thousand bucks. It's worth it in your fulfillment as an individual. And, and take, taking that next journey, because I, I argue that, as you know, I know you're one of them that most people don't want to be in, uh, employed by somebody unless they're the CEO when they're 60 or 65. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so find that alternative income stream for you. Yeah. And like you said, the roadmap is clear. It's been done hundreds of times by those in front of us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for me, like I, I did, I did look at some of these uh, educational programs. I actually, I think we joined one like a long time ago, like 10, maybe 10 years ago and stuff. And it was okay. My preference is, and this is what I'm, I do now is just like one-on-one coaching. So I really cut down the noise on that. 
I see right now with other educational program where they teach you about, you know, hundred different strategies for making money in real estate. I'd really spend more time understanding what the, the person's goal is, what they want to do, what are their constraints. And I build a customized roadmap for them to, to, and then we stay focused on that and I help them through. through. Well, that's the best. That's the best plan. I mean, uh, of what I just said, if, if they're, um, if you're offering that, that I was unaware of that, that's, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've thought about starting a kind of a um, boutique educational shop like that myself where it's because I would, I would be better at one on three or one on two yeah. versus one on 500. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it can, you know, and those guys are making a ton of money off of the, their educational groups. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I don't, well, I think it's I think it's kind of like if you have no idea what you want and stuff like that, I think it's good to kind of like it broadens your horizon. You see, oh, my God, I can't believe everything that's out there. And so if that's what you want. I think this this is great. I mean, you learn all kinds of strategies and it blew my mind sometimes on things they were doing. And uh, and you kind of like, can you do this? <laughs> Even wholesaling. Wholesaling was the first one. I said, what? You can do you can do wholesaling? You can just pass on the uh, reassign the contract to somebody else? It was like, wow. So all kinds of things. That, that kind of blew my mind when I got started that you could you could do something like that. Well, I, there's so many ways, as you know. Exactly. So that's the nice thing about it, about these the the programs that you're mentioning, like the McElroy and all that kind of stuff, is you know, it broadens your horizon. I think for me, like I I've done that and uh and now what I'm I think what people you want to make sure that you focus. If you if your time is short and you want to get things done in a relatively short, yeah, in a relatively quickly, I think the coaching and mentorship going directly for that, uh, I think that's probably the best way to accelerate your path forward. Uh, so that's- I, I would, I mean, I would echo that exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a matter of picking a good coach, uh, somebody that you like and get along with and trust and yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think so, Randy, so since you're a GP of, uh, you know, and then you, you might have some of the LPs and people that invest in your projects, um, they're going to want to do like you did before. And they're going to want to say, hey, Randy, is that okay if I ask you a couple of questions, if you teach me a little bit more about your project and how you did it and blah, blah, blah. And the short answer is yes. Exactly. Uh, I've had a couple of calls already today on that very subject. I, yeah. You know, I, I, I find that, uh, There have been many people, Eric, that have built into my real estate education along the way. And so I I truly hope that I can give something back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe they'll invest with me someday. Maybe they'll bring me a deal and want me to partner with them. Uh, But that's way down the road. I I give a lot away. um, And I do that intentionally just because um, I've been blessed and I want to help others in their journey. Well, obviously, because you're you're spending some time with me today, uh, talking about your project, your journey through real estate, and um, you know, so kind of help other people, inspire them to uh, to follow in your path. Um, and on that note, Randy, so uh, what uh, what's the best way for people to reach out to you if they're interested in your projects, they want to learn more about what you're doing, and uh, so what's the best way to reach out? There's, uh, I mean, the easiest way is social media. I'm on both LinkedIn and uh, Facebook. And uh, the spelling of my last name is uh, there if you're watching this on YouTube. And it'll also be in the show notes, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, the other way is uh, I have a, a webpage, uh, invest-arc, A-R-K, mm-hmm. invest-arc. 
www.ethicsmith.com. Uh, there's a contact us page on there. I'd, I'd love to chat with uh, any of your listening audience about uh, anything, anything real estate. So, mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time here. And then uh, you're not on TikTok or Instagram? Uh, not yet, anyhow. <laughs> I'm not on TikTok or Instagram. I, I'm sorry. I just can't beat them all. No, I, oh my God, it's just uh, incredible. You should try it out. <laughs> when they, an interesting way to reach out to people. Well, it's amazing, right? I mean, uh -huh. I, I fought it for a long time, didn't want to really join the social media bandwagon, but yeah. I have, I've been reformed. So yep. uh, you have to, you, you have, have to, to this day and age. So. so Randy, thank you very much. Thank you for your time again. Uh, so uh, make sure you like and subscribe and see you next week. Thanks, Eric. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martell. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.